Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. It's never fun. It's never great. They uh, try to make it almost impossible. They try to make it so that you really don't want to have to do that. But you definitely do have to do that because they will eventually take over your soul. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Okay, so let's talk about what happens when you go silent on a narcissist, how they handle that. So it's kind of an ironic thing, by the way, because narcissists, they love to do this to you, but there's a difference. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I have a whole video on what's the difference between going no contact, silent treatment and ghosting. And you should definitely check out that video. But I just want to like touch on it here briefly, because there's a big difference between them ghosting you and you just deciding you want to go no contact because you're doing it to protect yourself. You're doing it to just reduce your exposure to the flames of toxicity. They do it to manipulate you. They do it to drive you crazy. So I do want to say that if you are going to go no contact with a narcissist and, you know, give them the silent treatment in a way, but you're doing, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure you're doing it to protect yourself uh, so that you can start to start to heal and you won't be triggered as much. And, And I say this because I don't want you to be triggered so that you'll be able to negotiate from a place of way less emotion, which will help you tremendously. So don't do it to kind of retaliate or say, oh, they did it, so I'm going to do it. You know, do it for the right reason. So that's the first thing I do want to say to you about this. Um, and all right, so let's talk about how they handle your silence. Um, number one is you're going to just get like completely overwhelmed with claust- almost like claustrophobic, can't breathe flooding of every possible way of them trying to overwhelm you with messages. They're going to blow up your phone. They're going to show up at your house. They're going to show up at your office. Boundaries be gone. The reason why narcissists have no boundaries, by the way, is because they believe the people exist to give them that narcissistic supply and they don't see any uh, uh, difference between you and them. People exist to serve them. And so 
they feel, you know, that they can just do whatever they want. And so when you try to go silent on them, they will just go insane and they just might go ballistic on you. And all of a sudden, there they are everywhere. And it's kind of a funny thing, frankly, because obviously they probably have done it to you. And when you are questioning it in any way. Now you're needy. Now you're controlling. Uh, now you're just being ridiculous because obviously they were busy. They were at work. They were doing this out of the other thing. And they try to turn it on to you like you're the crazy person. And But yet when, when it happens to them, oh my gosh, they just go insane and they'll just basically like the stuff that'll be in their text messages and their emails will be a, like a vomiting of every kind of emotion you can imagine. They may go from rage and you are the worst possible disgusting thing that ever walked the earth to uh, you know, what are you doing? And, um, and we, you know, we should be working this out. And, and, and I mean, it'll just be a hodgepodge of all sorts of different things. They're just like desperate all of a sudden. And, and one of the things you need to remember is even though it's so crazy, they have a tremendous fear of being abandoned. And, I just I remember thinking it's so interesting to me because I I never had to deal with this in a romantic situation, but I did have to deal with it in a business situation. And I remember thinking, like, why would I want to stay in this relationship when you've been horrible to me? But like, they don't see it like that. I mean, somehow they think that you they're like getting away with these things and. Uh, but they have this tremendous fear of abandonment. And so that gets triggered and that, that narcissistic injury will get triggered. And when that gets triggered, that narcissistic rage can come flying out, depending on the type of narcissist you're dealing with, whether it's a covert, uh, a malignant, a, a, a regular grandiose narcissist or whatever it is, you're... Um, It'll come out in different ways, uh, but that's what you're going to see. I mean, it's, you know, they'll just kind of go, go crazy. So that's the first thing. The next thing is that they're going to go back to whatever worked for you, for them before to get you into their web of things. So love bombing, I'll call it number two being love bombing, but it's like there's a whole umbrella of all different types of things that they might do in the love bombing. You know, they might um, apologize, they might say sorry, uh, you know, if they need to. And if you want to know more about what a narcissist really means when they say sorry, definitely check out my video on that. Um, because, you know, Sorry, not sorry, really, but they use sorry as a means of manipulation. So if they have to say sorry, they might just to like get you, uh, they might project, deflect, uh, whatever they need to say or do in that moment. 
Um, they, if it's been a long time since you've gone silent on them and the relationship appears to be over, they may just pop back up in the form of hoovering. Like, you know, you'll get a little DM into your, into your, uh, inbox there, or it's like a random text, you know, thought of you today, or, uh, maybe send you a song or something like that. I I do want to say to you, do not fall for this. Do not fall for this because, you know, it ain't real. I mean, they they do and say what they need to because they want to get you back into their web of control. So they'll, they'll, Hoover, they'll love bomb, they may future fake, oh, and the future is going to be different, blah, 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 whatever. Don't fall for it. Okay, so the next thing that they will do is they will look for their next source of supply. So uh, while they're still trying to keep you there, they, they're, they're like trolls, you know, they got to be constantly looking for it. Where is it? Where is it? The vultures, where's my next source? And so they'll go and find it somewhere else in the form of another person. And so then this other person now can become a tool that they can use not only to get supply for themselves, but also to potentially make you jealous. Great form of supply there. Uh, Also to use these new people as potentially a good flying monkey. You know, those coverts, how they love their flying monkeys. Yes, they do. And so they might use it for that, you know, like line them up against you or, you know, Uh, how wronged they've been by you, how horrible you must be. And so therefore the smear campaign comes, comes out at that point. And by the way, the coverts are a little better at the smear campaign because they're so good at like coding it in care. So they, in their faux form of care, you know, so they'll say something like, I'm so concerned about Susie, you know, she's been drinking so much and I hate to see that, you know, like that, but it's really a smear campaign. They're, they're pretty um, stealth at that. So that's number three. Number four is that, you know, if it's a malignant or even a grandiose, they might stalk you. Coverts will stalk you too, but in a way where they can really like not get caught. They'll stalk more like your social media or something like that. Whereas, you know, the others might actually like drive past your house or have random things mailed to you or things like that, where you, you kind of can, can get a little bit nervous about that. But that's something else that they might do. So be very careful about that. And I, I do want to say that stocking will sometimes be covered by your local statutes. And so you might be able to get like a temporary order of protection or something like that if you see any sort of stocking. Um, the next one is uh, that they might start to become undone. That This is where they start to make mistakes. You know, they start to get nervous and frustrated. And so, so they start doing all kinds of crazy things and they they up the ante and they, they start being a little bit more brazen and not as worried about 
you know, covering up their behavior. And that's when they start to make mistakes. I have a whole video on the undoing of a narcissist where I actually broke down that show that Hugh Grant is in that's on HBO. And it's really fascinating at how he actually, that character was such a great study in what happens on the undoing of a narcissist. So check that out if you're interested. And the last thing is narcissistic collapse. They will literally go crazy sometimes and absolutely, um, you know, fall. Uh, and that doesn't happen all that often. And it ain't very pretty, but it does happen sometimes. And, but that's okay. You know, oh, it, it, that is not your responsibility. Do not feel guilty for it. You can't change them. Just namaste and walk away. Keep going. The best thing that you can ever do is wipe them from the CPU of your life. So now let's talk about the difference between silent treatment, no contact, and ghosting. So all three are things that are you experience when you're dealing with narcissists. But uh, two of them are done by the narcissist and one of them is done by you, the victim or the target of the narcissist's abuse or behavior. So let's talk first about silent treatment. So silent treatment is something that the narcissist uses in order to gain control over you. It's something that they do to make you upset, to make you squirm. Remember that the narcissist is doing whatever they can to get control over you because that gives them a form of narcissistic supply. If you want to know more about narcissistic supply, you should definitely check out my video on narcissistic supply. Basically, what it is, is anything that feeds a narcissist's ego. And I kind of liken it to almost like the tip of the iceberg kind of a thing, because the stuff that feeds a narcissist's ego that you can see on top of the, the iceberg is the stuff that would feed anybody's ego, because... Who doesn't like getting compliments or respect or having prestigious, you know, life or friends or a nice house or whatever it is? So those are sort of like the, the things that first come to mind when people think, oh, feed their ego. That's what they want. They want to, you know, compliments and they, they want their ego to be fluffed up in some way. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Because remember that in some ways, you, you could say that we all have narcissistic traits or tendencies, but I don't really call it that. I know some people do. I don't really call it that because a narcissist to me is all the way at the end of the spectrum. It's a person who is pathologically in need of anything that feeds their ego. All human beings want to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. That's why my book is called Negotiate Like You Matter. When I wrote the book, I didn't specifically address narcissists throughout the entire book. I, I do reference uh, narcissists some, but when you're dealing with a narcissist, what you're really dealing with is somebody who has no sense of self. They need to get as much 
out of the, the people around them as they can, almost like squeezing lemons or sucking blood. Um, you know, that's why sometimes they're called energy vampires or I've I remember when I was dealing with narcissists, I remember feeling like they were leeches. And that was just the only word I could come up with was like leeches or parasites. And they almost want to become you. And so that's why sometimes you find them like staring at you or watching you. And if you want to know more about that creepy narcissist stare, check out my video on why the narcissist is always watching you. Because that's part of what it is that they're doing. They kind of want, almost want to become you in some ways. So they, they, because they have no sense of self. So the rest of that iceberg is the other stuff, what I call the dark underbelly, the, the part that they don't show the world. And that is that they get narcissistic supply from treating people poorly, from being scary, from uh, intimidating you, gaslighting you, uh, projection, denying, deflection, control tactics, smear campaigns, flying monkeys. It's this whole nasty toxic stew that you're subjected to and it becomes really, really traumatic and difficult to to get out of once, once they, they start that that toxic stew formula on you. So that's what's happening when to feed their ego, to feed their narcissist, their need for narcissistic supply. So when they give you the silent treatment, it's actually just a form of trying to control you. So they are stopping talking to you you know, via text or email or whatever, like they're at work or they, or maybe you live in separate places and all of a sudden you can't get in touch with them. And so that they, they have this, they're giving you the silent treatment and it's to try to get you to come back and grovel and say, oh, please talk to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I was... Um, you know, I shouldn't have said that, you know, they want you to beg, uh, to get back into their, their web of control. And they, they love that. They love to see you squirm that way. That totally gets them that narcissistic supply that they so deeply need to, that they so deeply crave. And closely related to the silent treatment is ghosting, but ghosting is actually when they, they're ready to be done and they're just gone. And uh, now all of a sudden you just never hear from them again. And that will happen when they don't feel like there's any source of supply left that they can squeeze out of you. So they just move on to other sources of supply. As long as they think that there are some form of supply for them to squeeze out of you, even if they've long moved on to other sources of supply, they'll come back. Uh, and, And the supply doesn't necessarily mean that they think that you're going to tell them how wonderful they are. It means as long as they think that they can scare you, control you, intimidate you, jerk you around, treat you poorly, make you feel intimidated, all of those things, they will continue to come back into your space. Or or maybe just being attached to you in some way gives them some sort of... um, 
prestige or just, you know, because you're maybe you're more powerful than they are just getting your attention uh, sometimes is all they want. So, um, but that's when they're coming back and they're hoovering and all that sort of thing. So ghosting just means they're gone and you never hear from them again. And that just means that you're no longer a good source of supply for them. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bestlife to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bestlife. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so now let's talk about going no contact. This is something that you do as the narcissist victim, so or the target of the narcissistic abuse. And this is something that you do to protect yourself, to put up boundaries, to stop that narcissistic abuse, to say it's not okay anymore, I'm ready to move on, and I'm ready to to take control back of my life. So one is done, you know, ghosting or, um, or silent treatment, they're used to buy the narcissist as a weapon, whereas you are actually using going no contact as a shield, as a barrier, as a protection for yourself, where you're actually just saying, I'm, it's not okay anymore. I'm blocking you on my phone. I'm blocking you on, on, on my social media. And I, I just don't, I don't want to see what you're doing. I don't want you to see what I'm doing. I don't want to interact with you anymore. I want to erase you from the CPU of my life. I don't want to have to deal with you ever again. And um, that's what I had to do with narcissists in my life. And, you know, I still have to deal with them popping up every once in a while, unfortunately. And, but I keep up super strong boundaries and I try to keep it to a very, very bare minimum. Um, 
which is why I don't even mention who they are in these videos because I don't want them coming back. I want them to stay away and I would like to wipe them from the CPU of my life as if they never existed. They never came into my life. They never came into my world. And I highly recommend that you do the same. It is so much better. The air smells cleaner. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. It's definitely better to get that negative energy out of your space. So that's what it means to go no contact. Now, let's talk about the six things that narcissists do when you try to go no contact, which I highly recommend that you do. And I've had to do it myself with a couple of narcissists. Like literally, I describe it as like pods. I know there was some movie like you know, I don't know if it was in the sixties or something like a long time ago where like these pods like came and sat down next to people and like took all of their like information and like basically took over their bodies. And that's how I feel about narcissists. Like there are these pods that just come into your life and steal you. Um, and you end up feeling like you, you, you're like being choked to death or like, I don't know, my situation, um, where I talked a lot about this, by the way, in a couple of recent videos, one was my toxic relationships. And the other one was, I don't normally share this, my own story of bullying. But like in my situation, I felt like one of the narcissists was literally trying to like become me, like, like stand in my shoes and be me. And, but also like was devaluing me and doing things to me at the same time. It was super weird and really awful. Um, and so that's kind of how you start to feel. Right. And so you have to go no contact in order to like, I, I it, it's like not too dramatic. I don't think to say like, save your soul. Like that's how I felt. So, but you do want to know what's going to happen when you go to do that. Right. So, um, let's talk about that now. So the first thing is that they're going to maybe try to start going back to what worked for them before, because remember there's those three different ways uh, that they're, you know, that they interact in relationships. There's the three different phases, which is love bombing, devaluing, and discarding. And by the way, I have videos on each one of those if you want to go check them out. But they start off with love bombing or that idealization phase where they show up, whether it's, you know, it's not always a romantic. It can be a business situation, which it was for me. Um, and they, they show up in your space and they seem like they're absolutely perfect. And then they start to devalue you. And then, you know, there's the discard phase, but they kind of go back and forth between the phases. So they're going to go back to what worked before, you know, oh, you know, we can always work this out. We've always been so good together. We've always been able to do things. You know, why do you need to be so rigid? Why do you need to be so difficult? Um, you know, try to like get you to be charmed by them again, you know, whatever that worked before to charm them, they'll go back to that. And sometimes it's called hoovering where they're basically coming back and saying, oh, you know, maybe they haven't talked to you in a while. And, and, and suddenly you get that ping in your, in your inbox and, or in your DMs or whatever. And you're like, oh, I haven't talked to that person in a while. What are they doing here? Um, so, you know, they're going to go back to trying to charm you in some way. So that's number one. The next thing is that they may try to 
escalate their tactics, like come on even stronger, you know, like you barely feel like you can breathe sometimes with them. Like now all of a sudden they're showing up at your house, they're showing up at their at your office. They happen to be talking to everybody that you know, like you just can't get away from this person. There they are. They may call you incessantly. They may text you incessantly. Uh, they may escalate their efforts on all the bad things that they're doing, manipulating situations, projections denial, deflection, um, lying, all the things that they normally do, but now on steroids. Um, because remember with a narcissist, you're either for them or against them. There's, they're, they're very black and white, you know? So they may escalate their taxes. You see like them coming on much more strongly. Um, and then the third thing that they will likely do when you go no contact is start that triangulation, which is kind of, you know, in the discard phase, that's when you start to see the birth of the smear campaign. So they'll, they'll escalate even the triangulation, meaning that they're lining up their, they're lining up their flying monkeys. They're talking to people that, you know, they, they want you to feel excluded. They want you to feel isolated. They want you to be punished for, going no contact with them. So they want you to think that they're doing great and and you are making a huge mistake by going no contact with them. Um, that they're going to have everybody in your world against you and everyone's going to line up for them and everyone's going to think you're the crazy one or you're the bad one or maybe you're the narcissist and um, and they'll, they'll try to divide you in that way. So, you know, isolate you, manipulate situations, triangulates that smear campaign. So that's like kind of all goes into number three um, as far as like triangulation smear campaign and, um, you know, lining up flying monkeys against you. So that's the third thing. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the fourth thing. So the fourth thing is that their narcissistic injury could be triggered. And so therefore that narcissistic rage comes flying out. So now they're not just trying to hoover you. They're not just pushing you more. They're not just triangulating. They're not just escalating. Uh, now it's like they're in full on rage. Like you will do what I want and you will come back. At, you know, you will be punished. And sometimes I think they go into this rage state just so that you're afraid, just so that you are punished. Not, not just that they're angry. I mean, I know that they're angry too. You know, they're like two-year-olds in adult in, in adult bodies. So they're literally having a tantrum now. They're literally like super angry. And sometimes during this phase, that's when they start to actually become undone. They start to make mistakes. And, and that's when you know you're starting to close in on them. And, you know, in a negotiation setting, that's when you know that your tactics are actually starting to work. And that's when you are actually the most vulnerable to going, oh my God, I don't think I have the stomach for this. But that's when you got to keep going. Because narcissists are always the worst right before they're ready to give up. And I do have a whole video on the undoing of a narcissist, which I broke down the show, that Hugh Grant show. That's a really great example of a malignant narcissist who was like, continuing to do things. But the more people figured out who he was, the more mistakes he started to make and that became his undoing. So that leads me to number five, which is the narcissistic collapse. 
which sometimes they do. They completely collapse. They just become undone. They don't know what to think about their world because, you know, they do have a very fragile sense of self. You know, for them, the world is a place of survival, that they have to survive. And so sometimes they do collapse. And that's number five. And the last thing is that eventually, eventually, if you do it the right way and you create the right strategy and you have the right leverage and you you figure out how to cut off any source of supply from you, that means you're not intimidated, you're not scared, your fear goes away, all of that, because now they just realize they're not getting any supply from you anymore at all. And, you know, they're like vultures. So like there's nothing left in this carcass over here. So they will eventually, and this is number six, go find narcissistic supply somewhere else because they have to have it. It is what they feed on. It's their lifeblood. It's their oxygen. But you just want to make sure that you are no longer a source of that narcissistic supply for them. So eventually your no contact will absolutely work. So the narcissist loves to ghost you. They do that to try to control you. You are actually not really ghosting the narcissist. I have to say, when you are actually ghosting the narcissist, it's you just actually going no contact. It's you actually, I would call it self-preservation. So I want to kind of just distinguish that a little bit because they do it to control you, to manipulate you, to punish you, to be mean to you, to degrade you, to actually also get off on it. They kind of think it's funny. They get narcissistic supply from it. Their motivation behind it is very different than your motivation behind it. Let's just call it that. So when you do it, when you go no contact, it's really you in self-defense mode, self-preservation mode. It's you actually deciding it's finally time to get rid of the toxicity and the fumes, the toxic fumes in your life so that you can start to heal, so that you can actually start to move on. And by the way, as a negotiation expert, as a person, I really focus my time, my career, my my energies in helping you create strategy and that for the actual negotiation process. It is so much better if your mind is clearer And you can start to put some distance between you and those triggers. So I call it ghosting the narcissist in this particular video, but I do want to say it's really more you going no contact. But what happens is they start to blow up your phone. They start to blow up any way that they can. So they they really want to get in touch with you as much as possible. You know, they just start to flood you with in any way that they can. They cannot take that you are now doing this to them. So if they are have a tendency to stalk you, they might they might do that. And I do want to say that if you do feel like you're in danger in any way, you should definitely call the police. You should definitely get a restraining order if you have what it takes to get that. Every area, every jurisdiction has their own requirements for what you need for that. So I would encourage you to reach out to an attorney or law enforcement or whoever you need to to find out what the requirements are for that. 
it's a little bit of an aside, but I do need to say that if if you feel like you're in danger. So, but they may do that if they have that tendency. Or they may take another tact. They might start love bombing you and hoovering you and you know, because they're kind of like desperate. They get desperate. So they go back to the well of what worked, you know, sometimes, you know, oh, let me love bomb you, let me hoover you, let me go back to what was working in the first place. They definitely will be watching you. They become obsessed with watching you to see what is it what it is that you're doing because you are their form of oxygen, food, you know, supply to them is oxygen, food, it's lifeblood. You are their possession. It's not a love. So don't confuse it with that. They own you. It's you belong to them. It's like their toy or their their jar of jelly that belongs on their cabinet shelf. Don't confuse it with love or care or that they care about you as a person. This is their thing that belongs to them and it's out of their control. And so they're watching you. So they may talk to the people around you. They may try to talk to people that they think know you. They're going to try to show that they they can be near the people that are near to you and, and create a relationship with the people that are near to you to show that they're still around. Or they may try to show that they're doing better than you or that they're still doing great. Or they may try to show that they've got a supply lined up that can be perceived as better than you. They may try to one-up you, try to make you jealous, but they may try to get you back. And if you they try to get you back, you know, with their, their hoovering and you refuse that, then there's other things that happen. And I have a whole video on what happens when you refuse the hoover. You can definitely check that out if you'd like. And then it may degrade into like verbal abuse for refusing all of that, you know, attacking you for leaving, verbally abusing you or attacking you for guilting you. How could you do this? Or you're horrible for doing this or all kinds of horrible things that they're going to say or do. The fact that you're no longer there, which I always find really interesting. It's like, you know, why would I want to go back to that? But okay. They literally just go insane sometimes or they might even like completely collapse. Sometimes like it eventually degrades down into a full-on collapse. And we've seen that sometimes too. They just completely go crazy uh, if things don't go the way that they want them to. I mean, they're basically like two-year-olds having a tantrum on the floor. Things don't go their way. They just like go insane. So the thing I want you to know though is that they are the worst right before they're ready to give up. And that that actually means that you're getting somewhere. I know that sounds crazy, but when you're negotiating with them, when those things start to happen, that actually means that you're now reconditioning them into where you want to go because they've conditioned you in a certain direction. So you need to recondition them back into a different direction. And that means that that power dynamic is actually shifting. It means you're actually getting where you want to go. When you are negotiating with them, there's no magic wand. This is a little bit of a long game, but that means you're actually getting where you want to go. 
So I just want you to not take the bait because they're going to throw bait out and they're going to say and do whatever they can that worked in the past to get you to take the bait. And I want you to remind yourself that you're not going to take the bait. So I want you to comment below. I won't take the bait. Okay. I won't take the bait. Have you ever been ghosted or lied to? And you're just feeling so awful inside and you're sitting there and you're feeling like so defeated and you're wondering, should you try to go back to this person? Maybe you're, you're wondering if the person is, is gone or the person is still in your life and still just treating you really poorly. And you're wondering if you should just keep them in your life. They've betrayed you. They've treated you badly. Maybe they're sort of in and out of your life and they're not good for you. And you're wondering if what you should do about it and or they're just gone. And you're wondering what whatever happened to them. You're just feeling really, really crappy about it. And you're feeling like, you know, what did you do? And maybe you're just feeling like you're a bad person. There's something wrong with you. And you just can't trust again. And there's all kinds of stuff that you're, you're feeling. And you're wondering, how do you stop feeling defeated? How do you stop feeling like, you know, it was you or, or all these bad feelings are going through your head? And there's a couple of things I want you to know. First of all, I want you to think about the fact that it was not you. If you're dealing with a narcissist, if you're dealing with a bad person, consider the source. I mean, my dad used to say, consider the source, consider the source all the time. You know, one of my favorite books on the planet is The Four Agreements. And if you haven't read that book, you need to go get that book. It's a tiny little book. It's something you can read in an afternoon, a couple of hours. It's four agreements that you make with yourself. And one of the agreements is never take anything personally because people treat other people is always a reflection of the way they feel about themselves, good or bad. I mean, if people treat other people well, it's because they feel good about themselves inside. So if they're acting out of love, then they're not, they won't have treated you poorly in the first place. I mean, if somebody doesn't want to be with you, then they'll just straight up tell you, I don't want to be with you and here's why and that sort of thing. If somebody has ghosted you, They've honestly, they've given you a gift because they've told you what kind of person they are. They've given you a gift. Honestly, if they had stayed around in your life, they would have just been causing you more and more misery all the time. So they've truly given you the, a gift because they've now left a space for somebody wonderful to be in your life. You don't need that type of person in your life. You want that space to be open for a good person to be in your life. You had it confirmed that that person is not a good person. And you know, the, the thing that I've learned is that 
the closure that you're going to get is that you have to do your own closure. You have to learn how to do your own closure for yourself. I learned how to do that on my own after I dealt with a narcissist in my own life. And you can't sit there clinging on to a person who didn't want you. I mean, I I used to say to people all the time, why do you want to be with a person who doesn't want to be with you? There's no power in that. There's certainly no power in wanting to be with a person who doesn't want to be with you. There's certain ways to get a narcissist to respect you. And that is definitely not one of them. By the way, I did a whole video on the only way to get a narcissist to respect you. And you can definitely check that out if you want to, if you want to check that out. But that's definitely not the way to get a narcissist to respect you. You want to be in your own power. And and one of the ways to do that is to be with a person who definitely wants to be with you. And you deserve that. Feel that. Feel that you know that in yourselves. And remember what Maya Angelou said when she said, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. She was so right about that. People will show you who they are. And you, you set the bar for how people treat you. You show them. You don't get your goals, you get your standards. You condition people on how to treat you and people will treat you accordingly. So when someone shows you how they treat you, their words don't matter. Their actions matter. So, I mean, they can say all kinds of things and love you or they don't, whatever, but it's their actions that actually matter. And they will demonstrate to you how it is that they actually are treating you. And you deserve so much more than that. So don't worry about closure. Don't try to get them to explain what they were doing or don't you try to explain. Don't try to get them to acknowledge your actions. None of that. It's not going to happen. You're never going to get that kind of closure. Just move forward, find yourself, find your power in yourself. Just remember that if they've moved on, they gave you a gift. They gave you a gift of showing you who they actually are. Just start feeling that, start feeling that power and pay attention to your gut. You know, I mean, if somebody is really there for you, you'll feel it. You'll know it. Your vibrational energy knows it. It knows it on a cellular level and you will be able to tell if they are actually there for you. So if you've been ghosted or lied to, you'll, you will know and don't allow it. Move forward. Find the, the quality person. You know, I always say defend your light with your life. Find the high vibrational energy people, you know, be with people who want to be with you. That makes the difference in your life. Even if it's, you know, the five most quality people in the world, that will make a huge difference in the value of your life. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash negotiate. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. They're not going to be having empathy for you. So never think that you're going to get them to have, like, acknowledge your actions, see your side, have closure, all any of those things. But by prompting them to consider why they're behaving in a certain way, you get them to challenge them to think beyond their own self-centered mindset. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. They know how to actually almost take on the traits of whoever it is that they're targeting so that they seem perfect for that person, but they move very quickly into the relationship because they really want to move right to the next phase of the relationship. It's kind of an exhausting phase for them. It's not the phase that they really want to be in. It's kind of a, they're making deposits because they want to take out withdrawals. And now we return to today's show. Eight ways to move on from narcissists. The first thing you have to do, now remember, You've been conditioned from the beginning. You've been love bombed. You've been charmed. They come along. They are the most charming, incredible people on the planet. Seriously, they know how to become exactly what it is that you need to see because they've been reading you 
from the beginning. The reason why they know how to do that is because they started off from the time that they were children as needing this as a survival skill. I say, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell's like 10,000 hours to achieve mastery, right? They had like their 10,000 hours by the time when they were like 10 years old. Because this is a survival skill for them to be able to read people, to be able to become exactly what they need you to be or you need them to be rather. So they've been conditioning you from the beginning. So the first thing you need to do is go no contact. And that's like the hardest thing to do. So I say step one, don't run. Go no contact right away because you are shutting down the fumes. You're shutting down that toxic energy, that toxic stuff that's in your in your air. I, I saw somebody talking one time about this analogy of somebody, and it's kind of gross. So I'm just going to go there, okay? But it is kind of gross, but I have to go there. This analogy of somebody peeing in your pool, right? Like if you were standing in your own pool or your own hot tub or whatever, and somebody peed in it, you'd be like, that's disgusting. Get out and don't ever come here ever again. But that's kind of what they're doing. It's like that toxic stuff like there. And you got to get it away from you. So you've got to go no contact so that you can start to clean up that energy so you can start to feel better. Part of the way that you do that is, I'm going to say, go to number two, which is to start to set boundaries for yourself. All right. So how do you set boundaries? Well, one of the ways that you can set boundaries for yourself is to have one form of communication. Because one of the things that is going to happen when you decide to move on is that they're going to just go insane because they realize that they're losing a form of narcissistic supply. They're losing their grip on you. The difference between you as a person and you as a possession because They don't care about you as a person. They're going to love bomb you and they're going to make it seem like they care about you as a person, but they don't care about you as a person. They're going to go after you as a possession. Oh, there goes my form of supply. There goes what I need. They need you to be filling that, that hole for them. They don't care about you as a, a person. They don't care about your needs or ever satisfying your needs. So they're, but they're going to light you up. They're going to show up at your house or office. They're going to be sending you all kinds of emails. They're going to be guilt tripping you. They're going to be flooding your inbox. They're going to be flooding your emails, flooding your, flooding your text. They're going to go crazy on you and they're going to guilt trip you and they know exactly the things to say. And you just, you can't allow that to happen. So you've got to like winnow it down to one form of communication and you've you've got to allow yourself to have that space to heal. 
And the communication, if you're having any communication at all, you know, I, I say no communication at all. But if you're, if you have to communicate with this person, then it's got to be only one form of communication. And, you know, it's only about the kids or it's only about work or it's only about this particular topic. So how do you set those boundaries? You pretend like you're reporting the news. Basically, you you don't explain, you don't justify, you don't defend yourself. You don't you don't need to go point by point by point and explain every single thing. If they send you this whole long email on every single thing accusing you of everything under the sun, you can just say, I deny that. I deny everything you said there. That's all you need to say. And then you can just go through and pick out the one thing that you need to respond to and that's it. And I, you know, I recommend that if you have to correspond, you use email or you use, if you have children, you can use one of those apps that you want something that has a time and date stamp. You want something that can't be manipulated. Texts can be easily manipulated and they don't have a time and date stamp. Okay. So those are the first two ways that you can start to move on. The next way that you can start to move on is, is start to get educated, start to get educated, start to get information, start to get all the knowledge that you can. Because the more knowledge that you start to gain, the, the more that you start to realize, hey, this wasn't me. This was them. And you start to realize this was a person that was broken. And you'll start to realize, you know, I I don't I can't I don't need to take this personally because I I know that I have value. And the faster you start to recognize that, the faster you will start to heal. So start to gain knowledge, start to get educated, start to understand narcissism, start to understand whatever it is that you need to understand, whatever it is the process is that you need to understand, right? So if you are getting ready to go into a negotiation, start understanding that process. If you know whatever it is that you need to start educating yourself on, that's the next step of what you need to do. Okay. The next thing that you need to do is start documenting absolutely everything. Document, document, document absolutely everything. Document everything that you need to document because you, you definitely you're going to be needing to protect yourself. Remember that, you know, they're going to try to trigger you. They're going to try to do things to try to get under your skin. Anticipate that. Start creating a strategy. Start creating your leverage. That's my slay methodology, right? So strategy, leverage, anticipate, focus on you. It works. It absolutely works. And remember, your leverage is going to be thinking about your diamond level supply and your coal level supply. What's going to be more important for a narcissist to protect and defend than the the supply that they get from jerking you around, right? And and that's how you develop it. And you know that's what I teach you in my slay program. And by the way, if you 
don't have access to a support system, you know, we do offer that in my free Facebook group, you know, so make sure you join that. You know, you definitely want to have access to support. And and we do have a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung to get that help if you need it, because we just want you to have access to the help and support that and guidance that you need, something that you can trust. We get commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra. So that's the next thing. The next thing that you're going to want to do is start to visualize. Start to visualize the things that you actually want. Where is it that you want to go? What is it that you actually want to do? What is it that you want from your life? Because, you know, a lot of times people don't think about that. When you're dealing with a narcissist, you know, you you spent so much time defending yourself. You you forget to actually think about what it is that you want. And you, you've been erased for so long too, that you kind of almost forgot about the fact that you get to have needs, you get to have wants, you get to have thoughts for yourself because they didn't allow that for you for so long either too. So this is your moment. This is your moment to get to go, wow, I get to have a life and I get to think about the great things in my life. And, you know, somebody recently said to me that he was going to think about the majors in his life instead of the minors in his life. And I thought that was such a beautiful thought. The majors in his life are the big Fs, he said, instead of the small things. So, you know, family and finances and, you know, like the, the major amazing things in his life, right? So think about the big things in your life that matter to you the most, that matter to you the most, you know, and for him, he included philanthropy in that. It's like an F sound, you know, and and he considered, you know, all of the major things in his life that matter to him the most. So think about the things in your life that matter to you the most. Write those down and start visualizing those things. What matters to you the most and and start writing them out and start creating a plan for that. And then the next thing is, I want you to think about taking time to allow yourself to be okay with being sad, be okay with being angry, be okay with sitting with your feelings. So I'm going to just say, allow yourself to go, I'm going to just be okay with whatever it is that I feel. Because you know what? The only way out is through. And you you can't rush that. You can't rush that. I just had a whole conversation with somebody who was had dealt with a lot of trauma in, a, in many different ways, because of a husband, because of several different things. And she was you know, kind of upset with herself because she felt like she should be further along. And I reminded her it had only been like six months since certain things had happened, you know, with her husband and with other things. And she was like, you know what? You're right. 
has only been six months, you know? So allow yourself time to process and don't be too hard on yourself. If you're still feeling sad, you're still feeling angry, you're still feeling resentful, you're still feeling like you missed the person, that's okay too. Because, you know, especially if you had a life with a person for a long time, that's all right. You know, you can sit there and journal out what it is that you're feeling and say, I'm still feeling this or that or whatever. Emotions are tricky things, you know, and things can be triggered by the craziest things too. You know, we can be triggered by a smell. We can be triggered by hearing a song. We can be triggered by seeing somebody that you know. You can be triggered just by seeing an interaction because, you know, our brain is networked, right? And just the familiarity of certain things causes a network of neurons to be engaged. And then there you are, you know, it all gets lit up in there and things start getting fired up and there you are, right? So it's okay to have that happen. So the next thing I'm going to say to you is find your vibe tribe. Find your vibe tribe because that is critically important. Critically important to have that support group. And I started to allude to that a little bit earlier in this where I said, you know, join join the Facebook group and find, you know, your therapist and that sort of thing. That is just so important. So important to have that vibe tribe, to have that self-care, to find your ways to have your self-care. Because if you don't have ways to take care of yourself, have ways to find your vibe tribe, you're not going to make it because you need support. One of the things that narcissists have done from the beginning is isolate you. And I do have a an inner circle that I definitely invite you to join as well. It's my Slay Inner Circle and the link for that is slayinnercircle.com. You you want to have a place where you can go, where you can feel accepted, supported, loved. You know, like the old Cheers show, right? Where everybody knows your name. Find your vibe tribe. Find your people. You, you definitely probably are going to want to have some sort of therapy, whether it's from a clergy or a therapist or something, really somebody who can help you with your trauma and, you know, dealing because you you are in trauma. You are definitely, your body has dealt with a lot of trauma and processing that trauma is so, so important so important. Okay. And then the last thing that I'm going to suggest that you do is find something that you can pivot to. Find something that when your brain starts to go to the past, I want you to have something that you can immediately pivot to that is your present and your future. That helped me so much. It still helps me. I always joke that I can't leave my thoughts unsupervised because that is so important. That is something that it has been absolutely critical 
for me. You know, when my thoughts start going into the dark alley of, you know, I I call it the ghetto of my brain, I have to find, you know, the good neighborhood again. And how I do that is I find like the the good neighborhood, the that what am I focusing on that's creative for me? What am I focusing on that is helping people like making good videos for you guys or you know, doing things that I know serve my purpose in life is doing great things for serving my soul, making me feel better, making me feel like I know I'm doing the right thing in the world and not allowing myself to go down the path of I'm in victim mode. Because anytime you allow the narcissist to rent space in your head free, they're not paying for that space, you're allowing yourself to be a victim. Don't don't give them that space. Don't give them that satisfaction. Move on. It's time to move on. It's time to pivot. It's time for you to slay. It's time for you to be the best version that you can be. And and giving them any more time, any more space is not the best version of yourself. So the next video I want you to watch is self-care for dealing with narcissists. It's a great video that I did. I have tons and tons and tons of ways that you can engage in self-care and because self-care is so important, so important. Let's talk today about how to checkmate that narcissist. If you, especially when you're negotiating with them, you really want to try to grab the edge. You really want to try to change it around. I kind of often think about it as like you're you're tug, you're, you're you're playing tug of war. And you know, where is that rope, right? You know, is it in the middle and and or is it kind of going back and forth? Or are you just feeling like, you know, they're just you're about to lose over here. You're about to fall on the ground because they've got you pulled so far, right? Or, or I guess they would be the one falling on the ground, but you're the one who's about to fall on the ground the other in their turf, right? Because you just feel like you just can't get on top of it. You can't uh, seem to figure out how to get it going in the other direction. And I know, I know a lot of times you do feel like you are constantly on the defensive. You feel like you're constantly like that turtle on the back of your shell and they've got their foot on you, right? And your, your, your arms and legs are up in the air. But there is definitely a way to shift that power, shift that power dynamic so that you finally feel like you're the one who is in control. So the first thing that you can do, and we've talked about this before, but it's really, really important that you understand that you need to put super strong boundaries into place. I've had to deal with a couple of narcissists in my own life. It has been super toxic. It was super horrible. It was very traumatic. It took over my brain. It took over my life. And my my narcissists weren't even as a husband. It was um, a business partner and a family member. So, but it's still like absolutely horrible. I I mean, I'm actually an empath at heart. And, you know, so I was constantly feeling every single piece of it. And I, I, I obsess over it and I ruminate over it. And it just is so horrible. So, Developing those super strong boundaries is a really good way to kind of get going with it and start to 
put take that toxicity away from you so that you can start to heal and you can start to get your brain back um, because it's almost like deprogramming you know like you've been programmed and and traumatized by these people so much so how do you do that how do you put strong boundaries into place well one of them is definitely going to be not engaging with them I mean you know at least to the extent that you're you know you can so at least minimal engagement keep your conversations with them brief keep them on topic the things that you actually need to talk to them about um, so that's definitely one way you can have strong boundaries another way you can have strong boundaries is by setting parameters you know okay we'll talk but we're going to talk about this this is the topic we're not going to talk about anything else other than that uh, one of the things that I also did that, you know, to set boundaries that I found really effective is blocking um, these people on social media so that you're not constantly looking at them, especially if you know that they're trying to post stuff that's going to um, trigger you or try to show you how wonderful their life is or that they've moved on or they have somebody else or they've got other things going on in their business and you're not included in that, you know, these bullying tactics, uh, just block them, just block them all, you know, block them so that you don't have to look at it so that they're not looking at your stuff and you can just, you know, start to move on with your life. Um, the other way that you can have really super strong boundaries is to find one form of communication and email is definitely best. I would definitely say that um, it's it's the easiest form of communication that potentially down the road could be used as a trial exhibit if you need to. Text messages tend to be long running things and it's sometimes there's not always a time and date stamp and sometimes the entire conversation's not always included there. So you know I would definitely say email is optimum. The next thing that you can do to checkmate that narcissist and try to shut them down is uh, using phrases that shut them down. One of the things that you can say is something like, I agree that's what you think. I agree that that's how you feel. You're not agreeing with anything when you say that, but you're you're making them think you're agreeing with something, right? Um, another way to do that is, I understand that that's your perception. I understand that that's your position. I understand understand your you know thoughts on this and again you're 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 not really doing anything by saying that but you're just kind of disarming them it takes them off their game it makes them wobble they're like oh what do what do they say and they're kind of you're sort of lulling them into thinking that you're kind of going along with them. Um, and then the next one is, I'm sorry, that's what you think. I'm sorry, that's your perception. I'm sorry, that's your position. I'm sorry, that's how you feel. I'm sorry that we're in this situation. Um, these are all phrases that you can use to shut them down. And I have a lot more on these in my phrases to shut down narcissists. So definitely check that out. All right. So next thing that you can do is control your emotions. Um, by controlling your emotions, you're starting to break free of them. You're starting to not allow them to trigger you anymore. And by the way, if you are so ready to break free from narcissists at all in your life, give me a break free in the comments below. All right. So the next, you know, in, in, 
controlling your emotions, one of the ways that you can do it is kind of see it as a game. Uh, I interviewed Judge Lynn Toller, and you can definitely check out that video if you'd like. But one of the things that she said was see it as a game, kind of make it fun. Not, not that it is a game, not that it's like not a serious situation, but kind of getting yourself psyched into, you know, not feeling so like this is life or death all the time. You know, you, you sort of like, watch the words go by you or sort of watch them as if they're two-year-olds having a tantrum on the floor. Because the more that you can do this, the more that you can disengage, the less power they're going to have over you in the negotiations, the less chance you'll have to be triggered and the more power you'll have in your own right and the more firm that you will feel in your position. And you'll start to build your confidence in the whole thing. And your mindset is so, so important. The more confident you feel, the better that you will be. Remember, the people will think what you tell them to think. So you want them to believe that you are strong, you are powerful, and that you are going to win this thing. All right. So, and then the last thing that you can do to checkmate a narcissist is to go no contact completely. The way I look at it is like erase them from the CPU. Like they never existed in your life. You were doing fine before they came along. You can do fine when they're gone, just like as if they didn't even exist. So, to the extent that you possibly can. Obviously, if you're co-parenting with a narcissist, you're still gonna have to see, see their face. But maybe not. Maybe you can just, you know, parallel parent and you know, use some kind of parenting app and not even have to see them. But or you know, or if it's a family member or whatever, you just try to keep it as brief as possible and go back to some of the other things I said. But if you can go no contact completely. That's the plum. That's the best way to do it. That is for sure. That is what definitely helped me. And I know it will definitely help you too. I know dealing with narcissistic individuals can be draining can be exhausting, can make you feel used, can make you feel abused, can make you feel like you are powerless, paranoid. I've been there. I know, not just representing them as an attorney and seeing what it's like in that situation, but also I've dealt with them in my personal life. And that's why I'm on this mission, this crusade to get you armed with exactly what you need. So I want you to have these kick-ass comebacks. I want you to have them so that you have these resources, these toolkit, this arsenal, right? So that you have these strategies so that you'll be better equipped to deal with them and have them at the ready so that you can handle their manipulative behavior when it comes you know, thrown at you. All right. So the first one is responding with empathy. All right. So what's like you, you just say, what's your motivation for doing that? When you're dealing with a narcissist, ask them about what's their motivation for doing that. Instead of coming at them with anger, you just kind of make them pause. It's almost like stunning them for a second. What is your motivation for doing that? And and you kind of almost get them to reflect on their actions for a second. You know, they're not going to be having empathy for you. So never think that you're going to get them to have like acknowledge your actions, see your side, have closure, all any of those things. But by prompting them to consider why they're behaving in a certain way, you get them to challenge them to think beyond 
their own self-centered mindset just for a quick second. Wait, wait, what a minute. What is that? Okay. So that's number one, responding with empathy. The second one is it seems like you're, uh, you're trying to make a point. You're saying something like, what is it you're trying to do? What is it you're trying to do? You know, again, when you kind of come at them almost like with a naive bewilderment, like, what is it you're doing? You're almost like feigning confusion in a way, instead of, uh, you know, coming at them with this anger and meeting them with anger. You almost sort of come at them with, what are you doing? You know, and it seems like you're trying to make a point. And again, it sort of calls out their attempt to manipulate the conversation. For their own benefit, you're you're sort of observing their tactics, and and again, it almost sort of pushes it out to the sunlight and and makes it transparent. The next one is again sort of an empathetic approach where you say, uh, "Would it be helpful if I stopped? Would it be helpful if I listened?" A lot of times, I just I just find myself where I just stop and I just look at them. They just want to keep going. And so offering to just stop, offering to just listen, let them go. You value them. You value their perspective. A lot of times, honestly, they dig themselves into a hole and and they give you leverage. They tell you what they're thinking. They say things that are nonsensical. And, you know, it stops them from constantly controlling the, you know, everything. They think that they're giving constructive dialogue and it just fosters better communication that way because it takes you out of this feeling of frustration and it puts you into this almost observer mode. The next one is is like a seeking clarity where you're saying, can you explain what you were thinking when you said that? Can you explain when you what you were thinking when you did that? Either when you said that or when you did that. Can you explain what you were thinking when you said that? Or can you explain what you were thinking when you did that? You're making them explain their thought process you're confronting them about potential consequences of their words. You're confronting them about potential consequences of their actions. Kind of almost makes them think about their impact of, of their behavior and it promotes self-reflection. The next one is where you, again, observe their behavior. You, you seem angry. You appear to be upset. You sound frustrated. You look worried. I love approaches where you almost are like reporting the news. You don't actually have to hold the microphone, but you can just sort of almost think of them as like a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. You know, you wouldn't get down on the floor and have a, t- a tantrum with the toddler, right? You would just look at the toddler and you'd be like, okay, are you done yet? And that's sort of what you have to do with them. So you're addressing their emotions, you're redirecting the focus of the conversation. In some ways, you kind of end up getting more clarity. Are you worried about something? Are you angry about something? And you can encourage them to explore their concerns more constructively even sometimes. You know, sometimes they'll be like, you goddamn right, I'm angry, whatever, but whatever. I mean, you you don't have to be at the mercy of their wrath. Because I, I always say step one, don't run. 
Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. Because you're kind of course correcting. You're stopping that conditioning from the narcissist. People say, just leave, you know, whatever. But sometimes that's like too much to think about all at once to just leave, get out of it. You know, so you have to think of it in baby steps. So that's that first step sometimes is is just, you know, a boundary. And that first boundary can just be, I'm going to just not allow somebody to speak to me in a disrespectful manner. The next one is challenging their behavior. You know, so where you just say, how do you feel when somebody doesn't agree with your opinion? Because a lot of times they're not agreeing with your opinion. You're trying to get them to reflect on their need for validation and control, but you're you're really seeing like, hey, listen, you're doing the same thing here, right? So highlighting their emotional response and dif- differing opinions, you encourage them to consider alternative viewpoints and open up to a balanced conversation. Now, they're probably not going to do that, but you're sort of seeing what's happening there. And by the way, I have a whole video with regard to kick-ass comebacks to narcissistic texts, by the way, too. And the one thing you really want to do is not engage too much you know, with all of this because they're trying to pull you in. They're trying to bait you a lot of times. So what I'm trying to get you to do is sort of stay above the fray with this. Don't get too deep into the woods. Don't get too deep into the mud with this, right? Because they're trying to get you baited. They're trying to get you hooked in. And once you get hooked in, then you're down in it with them. If they pull you in, just don't do that. Stay where you're sort of looking at them. You don't explain. You don't justify. You don't defend yourself. Right? You you look at them. The next one, number seven, is it sounds like what you're asking is you're sort of almost like mirroring. You're almost sort of like summarizing. It sounds like to me what you're asking is, and then just sort of summarize. So by pointing out this, you know, it sounds like what you want is validation from me. You're pointing out their insecurities a lot of times. They want all this validation. They want to control the conversation. I hate when you expose that in them. And by the way, I have a whole free sheet with all of a bunch of phrases that you can get and it's uh, at disarm the narc.com. It's phrases for disarming narcissists which will be all summarized for you. Then you can use them for whatever you want. So disarmthenark.com, go grab those. The next thing is, are you trying to control the conversation? Again, you're like highlighting it. Sounds like you're trying to control the conversation. It directly says, look, look what you're doing. You're manipulating me. I see what you're doing. It calls them out and you're challenging them to be more respectful. You're challenging them to be in a balanced conversation. This is so difficult, okay? All of this is so difficult. If you don't have support, you need support. I have a free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Song. Join my free private Facebook group and get help, get support. If you don't have access to therapy, I have a sponsor in this channel, which you can access through betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. Get the help and support that you need. It's a sponsor for us. So we receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have access to trustworthy sources. Number nine is encouraging constructive dialogue. So 
why are you so defensive about this? They're always defensive, but then, you know, they accuse you of things like that, right? Again, you're like highlighting their behavior, showing them what it is that they're doing. It's encouraging them to see that they're being insecure and hopefully opening up more constructive dialogue. And if it's not, then that's fine. You can say, listen, this approach is not working for me. We can have a conversation about this when you can be more constructive. You can always walk away. And then the last one is how does this conversation help us both? Again, encouraging constructive dialogue by emphasizing the mutual benefit of constructive dialogue. Where are we going with this? What's the bigger picture? What is the potential outcome for both of our benefit? You know, you want to promote a cooperative and collaborative approach to communication. You know, they'll say that that's what they want, but of course it's not. You know, we've discussed 10 kick-ass comebacks to shut down narcissists so that you can also take back your own power. And that's really the more important thing here, right? You want to stand up to that manipulative behavior. You want to reclaim your voice in this. And by utilizing these empowering comebacks, you can create those boundaries and start taking back your own voice in this thing. Foster healthier communication, maintain your self-worth, don't let anyone dim your light anymore or undermine your value. Stay strong, stay confident, you have value. They didn't attach themselves to you because you have so little value. They attach themselves and stay attached to you because you have so much. Don't you dare ever forget that. 10 phrases to shut down those narcissists. All right. So number one, number one is I can see that you are upset. I like this one because you are basically, you're just observing to them. I also like this one because it also helps you to kind of divorce yourself from it, step away from it so that you can sort of breathe and put a little bit of space between you and that emotion so that you are just kind of like looking at it. You're just observing it as if you are now a third-party observer. Like it's just something that you are seeing, but you're not actually engaging in it. And it's not really part of you. It's just something that you're watching. I can see that you are upset. I can see that this is something that you are angry about. I can see that maybe this is something that we need to talk about later when you are more calm. So it is a great way for you to also step back, but it is also a way to shut them down in that moment. So that's number one. Number two is a way to take it so that they don't feel so like isolated because narcissists don't want to feel called out. So number two is we can both work together on this. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't want to work together with the narcissist on that. I know you don't want to, but all I'm saying is they don't want to feel called out. So sometimes you have to make it feel them feel like 
we're all together and we're on the same side and we're doing this together, you know, so that they don't feel like they're being called out, even if you're not necessarily doing this. Remember what I always say, ethically manipulating the manipulator. So even if you don't feel like it, you sometimes you have to take your ego out of it and you can say things like we're working together on this just so that they feel like they're not being called out on this. Okay. So that's number two. We can both work together on this. So they feel like it's a we instead of a you. Right. So that's number two. Number three is I hear you. Hey, All people want to feel seen, heard, and know that they matter, but narcissists especially, what do they need more than anything? They want to feel like adulation, you know, so sometimes you got to do what you got to do to give them that. And, you know, I call it bartering. Sometimes you hear it, you know, being called like narcissistic bluffing, got to fluff up their ego a little bit, like you're fluffing up a, a pillow. I always say you don't do this all the time. And and you have to be doing this strategically. Because I know some some of you have given and given, given and given, given, like you got nothing left of yourself to give. So you have to make a choice where you're only doing this, where you're saying, I'm making a decision to do this because I'm going to do this right now in order to get something in return. So sometimes you need to say, I hear you in that moment because you are going to get something in return at, at that moment as well. And this is especially true when you are in a negotiations setting for sure. All right, so that's number three. Number four. I like this one too, because especially when when the emotions get high and and intense and red hot, how do you calm them down? You can say things like, I have no right to control how you see me. Okay, fine. You can say whatever you want about me. I have no right to control how you see me. You, you know, the old sticks and stones can break my bones. You can say whatever you want. I have no right to control how you see me. So you can say whatever. And it's great because they're starting to recognize at that point that you're not going to be moved by how they perceive you or the things that they say about you. You can say that. I have no control how you see me or the things that you say. Um, and that will kind of shut them down because you're they're starting to realize that you're, you're they're not getting an emotional rise out of you, which is the thing that they want more than anything, because that's that's the payoff for them. When you get upset, that gives them narcissistic supply, and then that's the, the payoff that they want. Okay. So when you don't give them that, then Uh, They don't get that payoff. So that's number four. Number five, I'm not upset with you. Again, you're shutting them down because you're not giving them that supply. That is also a way to shut them down. Anytime you are cutting off that supply source, that's when 
you are starting to shut them down because that's their food, that's their oxygen, that's their lifeblood. And they're always trying to say things to trigger you, to try to get that supply out of you, to try to get that rise out of you, to try to rile you up. If you wanna know more about the kinds of things that they say, you can definitely check out my video called Narcissist Favorite Catchphrases because there's a lot of things that they say to try to get you riled up, all right? Number six, number six is your approach is not working for me. You know, the kinds of things that you're saying, the kinds of things that you're doing, if you're trying to get something from me here, whatever it is that you're trying to get me to do, you know, it's not working for me. So, you know, you're not going to be getting what you want from me. So perhaps you might want to try a different approach. So that's number six. Number seven, number seven is you can disagree with me, but you have no right to disrespect me. I like this. I used to have to say this kind of thing to opposing counsel sometimes when I was litigating on a regular basis. Like we can disagree without being disagreeable. You can disagree with me, but we don't have to be disrespectful. We can disagree, but perhaps we just need to take this up with the judge. You know, I mean, I, I, I used to have to say this kind of thing to other lawyers, but you know, when you're dealing with narcissists, they love to go low. They love to do the low blow thing. They love to make it personal right away. And it's up to you to set that standard, to set that bar, because they're not going to do it. You have to do it. I mean, you don't get your, your, your goals. You set your standards. You do. And, you know, they start treating you based on how you've allowed them. I mean, you know, they, they've conditioned you to a certain extent. And so you have to kind of recondition them based on how you're going to allow yourself to be um, treated. So just decide, you know, hey, you can disagree with me, but you don't have the right to disrespect me. So number eight is what you are saying does not align with the facts. What you are saying does not align with the facts. I, I don't think I need to say anything more with that, right? You mean sometimes they don't even necessarily care because narcissists just lie. Sometimes they lie about things that are readily verifiable and things they don't even necessarily need to lie about, which is pretty crazy to me. The next one is I agree with you. I love this one because you can even agree with things that aren't even necessarily where you're agreeing. Like you can say, I agree with you that we are never going to agree. I agree with you that that's your opinion. I agree with you that, that that's what you think. I agree with you that that's what you believe. So that is number nine. And number 10, number 10 is goodbye. Number 10 is I'm walking away. Number 10 is see ya later or never. You know, that that's really the best one, honestly. I mean, when you can get to a point where you are not ever having to talk to this person ever again in your life and you can really shut them down completely, that's really the best. 
honestly. I mean, not everybody can get to that point. There are times in your life when you do have to continue to have this person in your life. You know, I I get that because of, you know, children or family or maybe, you know, there is a business or there is, you know, stuff that's going on in your life that it's impossible to completely walk away. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring, and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.